0: Hi, this is Tony Gilkinson and you're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. My soul has there, Welcome to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party, a Pantheon Podcast. Music. Culture. Hey, conversation and good old-fashioned rock and roll. Excuse me while I kiss this so now, I give you Miss Pamela and her Pajama Party.
1: Hello, dolls. You are listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party. And, you know, most of you know I'm a groupie, or I used to be a groupie, although I'll always have a groupie heart. A groupie is just someone who loves musicians and the music they make. And they like to be around the vibe. When it's a a regular time in this world, I do rock tours. Um, I write a column. You can read my column at pleasekillme.com. And I have many books out, of course. I'm writing two more as we speak. So I am keeping busy during this oddball time. And I'm very proud to be part of Pantheon Podcasts. And we are really growing, man. Have you heard Pleasant Gaiman's show? Whoa, you better check it out. And we are on all platforms, so you can find us anywhere. And so listen to our podcast, please, and tell your friends, okay? I would love that. And today's show is pretty special. All my shows are special, but today I have uh, Dee, Dee Keel joining me. She is a, was a notorious wild groupie and proud of it. She's totally unabashed and her stories are incredible. She is in my book, Let's Spend the Night Together, uh, which is about a whole bunch of groupies and all their fabulous exploits. So we're going to talk to her right now. hi sweetheart. Hi. Thank you for coming out so far. I am thrilled to be near you. Oh (laughs) (laughs) I will do
2: anything for you.
1: Oh honey that is so sweet. Well you are you're a chapter in my book Let's Spend the Night Together.
2: And I had no idea I was a chapter until I opened the book. You didn't Oh no! Well, you just thought I was going to say a couple things. I mean, I thought there'd be a little something, something in there, and then somebody handed me the book and said, "Maybe you better look." And I went, oh. "Woo!" <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: oh yeah, she has her absolutely her own chapter. And what did I call it? I, oh yeah, hey little girl, you want to come on the bus? That that was for Keith Richards. Asked you that, right? That what?
2: Wa- that you know, looking back, I think it might have been Bill Wyman, but
1: oh. <laughs> but I was so stunned that it even happened in Frozen. Yeah. I couldn't remember. That is such a cool story. We're going to get to that. Um, but I'm going to read a little tiny piece out of here because <laughs> I'm going to give people a little idea of why I wanted you to come on the show. Okay. Lucky for me, it's a small rock world we live in. And when she Dee Dee heard I was working on a book about groupie history, she contacted me through my website. This is her response to my email asking whom she had groupied with. Here goes, she said, Jeff Beck, Cozy Pal, Chick Churchill, David Cassidy, the entire Hollies band, Ian Pace, Keith Hartley, Johnny Almond, Tony Stevens, traveled with Foghat and Humble Pie, Peter Grant. Yes, I went big. I was, I was like, whoa, I can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> Lee from Chicago and many, many roadies. I didn't mind if I got to hang with the bands. Iggy and the Stooges, I married the Light Man, lived with Iggy, Van Halen, Motley Crue, Rat, I married Bron Keel and toured the world with many famous bands.
2: Phew, it's tiring <laughs> just hearing it. <laughs> yep.
1: I called her instantly, and after a few minutes on the phone, I knew she had to have her own chapter. So <laughs> that is Dee Dee in my book, Let's Spend the Night Together. And um, the, re- the way this happened, really, is Erin uh, and I were talking about the Whiskey Gogo. She She said, I need some, I'd love to get some history on the whiskey. It's such an important mm, venue, yes. it's such a, a historical place. And I went... Well, I know just the person to talk about that. So, <laughs> so here you are. Well, and the history seems
2: to be changing a bit as the people that um, remain begin to tell the stories. Um, so, I'm I'm really happy to talk about it. Yeah. To, 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 for me to set the record a little more straight than it's starting to curve
1: to. Good.
2: Um, because as we maybe all know by now, the Magliari family now owns the whiskey. Yes. But it was started by Elmer Valentine. Yes, and you were his assistant for a dozen years, right? I was there from 71 to 83.
1: What a great run, right huh? Right by
2: his side. And, yeah. uh, and so I have a lot of a lot of love and respect for him, and I hate to see his history just disappearing. Uh, but the people that are telling the stories in the Magalieri
1: family just don't know. That's part of the problem. Okay, because the young people run it now, right? The younger... The grandchildren, yes, actually. right, yeah. I know. So how would they know they unless wouldn't. they heard it from Mario? I mean, he had some great... Mario Maglieri and Elmer Valentine were partners in the Whiskey a Go-Go, right? Par- partners not to begin with. Oh, okay. Well, and, t- okay, if you know the history, let's hear it. Yeah. Well,
2: initially it was Elmer's idea, and Elmer was the owner, sole owner. Oh, okay. Uh, Mario was the right-hand man. He really ran the place. The interesting thing was because he was out on the street, he became yeah. the face right. of the whiskey, yeah. which a lot of people misinterpreted it as being the owner.
1: I see. Well, I always knew, I always thought it was co-owned by both of them um but I was very tight with Mario he was much more like you said the face and he he was. loved pretty girls <clears throat> he was always very good though with them Excellent. I, no bad stories about Mario man he was very happy with his wife Scarlett and but he he loved pretty girls he loved them to come into the club cuz he did a lot of people would buy us <laughs> drinks and we'd get people on the dance floor so I never had to pay to get in there
2: <laughs> and that that's exactly what happened when I well I began hanging out in front of the whiskey when I was uh, 14 I ditched school to go see the young rascals up there. Yeah, but I wasn't old enough to get in. Yep. But when I arrived up there and saw those big red letters, it was like a beacon, and I went, "Oh my God!" I could hang out here and see the just see them load in and out.
1: Yeah, exactly. I began
2: to <laughs> hang out there a lot, and when I was about nineteen, so maybe nineteen sixty-eight, um, my good uh, childhood f- uh, high school friend got a job in the box office, so I got to go in free. Is that Charlotte?
0: That Ooh, was, was Kathy. That? She oh. actually
2: still works at the Roxy. That is incredible.
1: <laughs> isn't that incredible? I bet she's got some stories too. Yeah,
2: she and I were there. A lot of them aren't real big on telling stories, and her memory isn't the best, so she relies oh. on me a lot. But
1: oh, okay, <laughs> I
2: have a pretty clear head and a good memory, so I will, you know, I'm sure to remind her of different things. But, yeah. But she was the reason that I ended up getting to go up and in, in, in the first place. We went together, and. Um, It was about 1969 when Elmer had, I was a new girl in town, a lot of attention I was gathering, because there were regulars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he asked one night, you know, who's that girl? And and I got introduced, and then he said, "Uh, hey, would you like to answer phones for a couple weeks while I look for a secretary? Uh.
1: (laughs) And I said, heck yeah. (laughs) Of course, my God, just to be in that hallowed (laughs) space, I mean, yeah. God, all the stories even in the in the book that you've told. Well,
2: it, I'm yeah, sure it's kind of more. fun. I'm and sure and Elmer Elmer always said, "You know what's beautiful about you? You have no idea how powerful you are." <laughs> and yeah, I did. Yeah, I know you were just having fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I would wait every week for the the um, the new album releases to be sent in, so yeah. I could spread them out on the table, and the girls and I would look around and go, "Ooh, Foghat!
1: He's mine! He's mine!" Yeah. Yeah. So so how did you? I mean, so early on, who who were you attracted to as a as a young teen? Well, of
2: course, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones got got me going. And then I, you know, kind of branched out from there. I I totally went to the Stones when I began to be
1: pretty rebellious at 14. And so tell us about the the Stones concert. I think we were both at that concert in Long Beach, right? I actually got to see them three
2: times because they performed at the Tammy show at the Santa Monica Civic. Oh, you got to go to that? Which was free to all of the local schools. We got free tickets. Oh, Gosh. So I did I went to that my parents dropped me off. This was the first time my parents realized that I was going to be a handful. <laughs> they dropped me off for the free concert and I got right up front. I thought I was going to die waiting for Janet Dean to go through. Everybody's coming on. <laughs> Finally the Stones. I even I even stood through James Brown, which looking back I'm thinking that was how lucky Fantastic. you were! Yeah, <laughs> how lucky you were! Now I'm appreciating it, but you know when you're when you're
1: when you're waiting for Mick, yeah.
2: When you're 14 and you're waiting for the stones, yeah, it didn't seem like a lot, but uh, <laughs> but I, I can relive it perfectly. Um, but at any rate, I crawled under the the back curtain towards the end and got in there and got tossed out,
1: grabbed up a cigarette butt. <laughs> that is so great. Tucked that away. <laughs> That is so similar to what I did when, when they were staying at the Ambassador Hotel I tried to go meet them you know, And I made a fool of myself I was a kid too, I was 15, 16 actually At that time But I did the same thing After they left town I went through all the trash cans That, yes. that had been emptied out And I, I have a piece of Brian Jones hair And I, I, I found out how old Bill Wyman Actually was Boy, he was old then I mean he was much older than the rest of the band and he had torn up a copy of his passport and I put it together so I I did the very same kind of things I saved those kinds of cigarette butts and napkins and things like that young young pre-groupie girls well I got in trouble because I
2: followed the band and realized they were staying at the Surfrider Inn right across the street from the San Michael Civic wow and I went in there by the pool but when my mom and dad came to to find me, I got in trouble. <laughs> Said, "Oh no!" She went over to the hotel, and I thought,
1: "Hotels? Okay, they stay here." <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. That was pre. That was like a year before they came back and played the Long Beach Arena, right?
2: Well, they, yeah. What ha- what happened after that is I had already gone. I, I took an early morning bus up to Wallacks Music City to stand in line yes. for the tickets to. It was actually the Long Beach Auditorium.
1: Okay, yes, which yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Oh. I used to go well yeah. I went there with uh, Captain Beefheart. Oh, it His was a, it was a to...
2: phenomenal uh, venue I thought and I remember yes, it vividly. It was a
1: beautiful venue.
2: But on the floor they had the folding chairs. It wasn't yes. big seating. Yeah. So I got up early in the morning and rode the bus up to get my ticket, my $3 ticket and there was nobody there but one girl. <laughs> one girl. And I thought okay, well I got my ticket, went home and and then my dad drove me to the concert.
1: What good parents you had to They do that. were fantastic, yeah. Well, the, you know, parents in, from our era just had no idea what was going on. It was unprecedented what we were about to enter into, that, you know, the hippie movement and the peace and love and all that stuff. No one understood it yet, what it might, True. you know, what that might lead to for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, I still have the support of my family. They they uh act, actually think i have a glorious history well you do honey i was a little embarrassed of it to begin with but as it's creeping out into the world when were you embarrassed
1: doesn't seem like you'd ever be embarrassed about it just a bit (laughs) yeah but you but you are you're unabashed you talk about it you i mean this came out what 2008 you were still you were happy to to discuss all your exploits what
2: happened was we took a family trip to Seattle just after the release of Let's Spend the Night Together, uh-huh. and my sister, who's a retired dentist that's pretty pretty straight, she wandered into Barnes & Noble and found that. <laughs> and she bought it and went back to the hotel and devoured it, and then she went, oh my!
1: Uh, I'll bet she did! I had no idea! Oh! <laughs> yeah. So, and you have six kids, right? And they're, I do. She has six kids. That in itself is several books. I mean, I have one kid. I don't know how you did it, man. And
2: six grandchildren now. Amazing. I call amazing. them the 12 wonders. <laughs> it's a wonder I made it through it.
1: <laughs> and, you know, you and I are a lot alike in our, we have optimism. We have a lot of joyous optimism. I do. Yeah. I yeah. do.
2: I'm a peacemaker and yeah, a love too. maker. I can see the beauty in any situation. Even maybe the beauty of my embarrassment a bit of <laughs> revealing my little secrets.
1: <laughs> well, we're going to st- Okay, so after the Stones concert, did you tell me did you meet them at the Long Beach Arena? I did not. What happened after that was they played the LA Sports
2: Arena in 65. Okay. So 64 I did the Tammy Show. I did the Long Beach mm-hmm. Auditorium. But you, at
1: least you crawled under the cur- curtains. I would not we, have had the ovaries to do that.
2: Well, I tried to crawl into the backstage area of the uh, Long Beach Auditorium. Right. It's a really, it really was a really old building, and I ended up crawling through a bathroom window. But then I couldn't get out, so <laughs> I never never made it that far. <laughs> Got back into my seat. Um, the seats were the were the folding seat yeah. type, not fixed seats. So we all stood up. But then people were going right through the slats and getting their legs stuck. So oh. I realized if oh. I, I could start walking forward on the seat. So I, I got to the front. Oh. But yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> I, was, I was getting little tricks going as I went along. So by the time I went to uh, decided I wanted to go to the Long Beach Sports Render, they're getting quite famous at that point.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: I always had a little bit of a magic touch. And I'm talking to some girls at school and it turns out this one girl's dad was the manager of the arena
1: fantastic so
2: i said let's go see the rolling stones and so they took me
1: fantastic that
2: was my first taste of front row seats yeah and wow. getting really up close. For that Incredible. and then we had to wait around While they closed, they cleared out and closed the arena. Uh, She and I were scouring through all of the trinkets that were tossed up on stage. The teddy bears and the
1: panties and everything. Panties and bras. Right. Girls were whipping their bras off and throwing them on stage. I remember that so vividly. I was at that show, too. Yes. And just amazing stuff going on. It was quite quite fun. I, I mean, I don't think people took their panties and bras off for Elvis or Frank Sinatra. And threw them on stage. I don't think so. They might have wanted to.
2: I think it's funny. Now I see girls go to certain concerts and bring their
1: extra bra. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the same. I'm (laughs) sorry. It's not the same
2: at all. (laughs) But um, anyway, that particular night after the arena... Uh, cleared we had to come into the backstage area to wait for him to get everything locked up and closed out and all of a sudden this giant hangar opens and in comes this it was like this giant star of this huge tour bus and I went oh
1: what is that
2: (laughs) (laughs) what is that but then out of a tunnel comes this man leading the band I was just Mm. cemented to the ground in awe oh my gosh and there they were and were we 15 at the time yeah i would have been just going to be 15. i'm pretty sure it was bill wyman i think i wanted it to be keith because i was so in love with keith and they said hey little girl want to come on the bus and i was so ready <laughs> we were grabbed by the shoulder and led in another direction yeah but, but i realized these guys were real
1: yeah and they exactly, were yeah. they were a flesh and blood yeah. Right yeah. there, especially if they asked you to come on the bus. Oh well, you know, I always wanted to know what was on a tour bus. After that, I couldn't wait to get on a tour bus. <laughs> Didn't Bill Wyman wind up marrying some incredibly young person afterwards? I think he did. A yes. young, young, young girl. Real young, yeah. thirteen, I think. I adored him. So I mean, it's not surprising he wanted you to come. All right, <laughs> I know. I know. One wonders. And he was the oldest stone by far. Shame, shame. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that was really fun. That was the last <laughs> time I, I ever saw them. But I do have my tour book
1: from that, that particular show. Wow, I bet that's worth a bundle. It's gorgeous. I look at it quite often. I still have all my ticket stubs from the, stuck Ooh, into my diaries. Yeah,
2: that's fun. Did you save any of those? No, I've lost a lot of things along the way. Mm. I just have a handful, but the handful I have are pretty dear and special to me.
1: Did you keep diaries? I did not. It's amazing. Your memory is so vivid then.
2: I have a good memory, I do. I always have and um and I was I had a lot of clarity because I didn't I never took uh drugs or did a lot of drinking, so Uh-huh.
1: Never uh, took drugs. Nope. That is a, a incredible thing to be proud of, I think, because well, I can't say that.
2: <laughs> my grandfather and his um sister were pharmacists. I was raised really just running around in the pharmacies. They had four pharmacies in LA. Oh,
1: wow. And you never wanted to tamper with any no, of them. No,
2: he taught me never to take anything unless you absolutely needed it and he taught me all about the chemistry and you know, so I always I listened to him.
1: Very wise. Yeah. He was That's a incredible. really smart man. <laughs> so I know you wound up hanging out with the rascals. Did that happen when you had that big crush on him in the early days at the Whiskey or was that later?
2: That The first day that I went to the Whiskey,
1: they were loading in and out. (laughs) Of course. But they walked just a couple
2: of blocks to a a motel, and we followed them. (laughs) And? (laughs) That was when I realized, okay, here it is, hotel again. This could work. This could work. (laughs) And they were very sweet. They allowed us to come in, but they kept the door open. Mm um, oh my huh. girlfriend and I became uh, I would think at the time maybe they thought we were stalkers quite annoying we began to uh, find out when they were coming into town show up at the air we call the airline and ask for their do you have that them on the flight we give them by the names and they they tell they us would and we show
1: them. oh my lord and
2: then I found a um a phone book depot in uh near Venice my hometown of Venice Where you could go in and look at all the phone books. Yeah. So after school, I went in and found the New York City phone book. (laughs) Score, I found Dino (laughs) Danelli. He was the cute one. We're calling him. (laughs) (laughs) Hanging up. But they came No one could imagine that happening nowadays. It was him, too. It was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So they came back into town, stayed at the same motel, and um, and I got the idea that i I'd call and leave a message for Gene Cornish. And I, I chose Gene because, he, to me, he was probably the least popular. And maybe maybe I, it was an easier go-to. Yes, very clever. He called me back. He did. He called me back. And I was at home <laughs> at my parents' home. And, it, and I remember going, I was so nervous. He said, this is Gene Cornish. I'm returning a call. Oh. And, oh. <laughs> wow. I said, oh. Do you need me to call you back? Because I knew there weren't phones in the room. And he literally said, I've got a nickel. Oh, uh,
1: I think it was more like a dime, but...
2: But he invited me up. Why don't you come on over? <laughs> and I do. Knock, knock, knock. He opens the door. <laughs> There's a 14-year-old.
1: Oh, <laughs> he mean? was so disappointed. Oh. <laughs> he was so disappointed. Yeah. Well, that's just, it <laughs> takes so much courage to do that. And there was no G word yet. The groupie word didn't even exist when you were doing those things. No, it did come Same into here. play
2: not long after that. Right, right. Um, but, but, but we were
1: doing this stuff before that word existed. Absolutely.
2: And we were following, and I was following that rascals any possible place i could um towards the end of that whole time it was about 1968 and they were staying at the uh, century plaza hotel Uh uh-huh and and i would just sit in the lobby waiting 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 and they'd come and they'd let us they'd let us up leaving the door propped open huh so they were nice boys they were they were not rascals at all (laughs) They were very nice guys. (laughs) And did you hook up with, eventually, the one you were interested in? No. My go-to was Felix Cavallari. Right. Adored him. My girlfriend, Kathy, and I, we got a little loom, and we beaded these, remember the beaded necklaces that everybody would wear in the late 60s? Yes. And, And we loomed them, and one of them said love, and the other one said peace, and they actually wore them in a photo in 16 Magazine fantastic oh, when we saw that we were squealing so hard it was so exciting and they were just so sweet to us and cool huh. to us Good. i still have a photograph of me with felix at the century plaza when we had our <laughs> oh, photograph taken together so sweet uh, i was just in love with that band i love their music the messages that were yeah. in the music i know
1: they were the, come on people smile on your brother in case you no one's aware of that no yeah, isn't that them a that's them right
2: day grooving
1: yeah real
2: real sweet stuff so good just good stuff I was so in love with them that I named my first child after Eddie Rigotti's girlfriend Amy Steele oh huh Amy Steele she tolerated us well we'd knock on that (laughs) that door of the hotel and she would answer it you could tell it was like oh boy (laughs) they're here again she was a stunning girl So, yeah, I named my child. My daughter Amy is named after her. How
1: incredible. You know, also, people don't realize a lot of times the groupies, in quotes, you know, we would just hang out with the bands just to be around them. And didn't even necessarily have sex with them. or You know, but we wanted to offer some kind of something or other. I would, you know, take them shopping. I would take them to antique clothing stores very early on. And they, you know, Rod Stewart got his first feather boa there.
2: Some girls took them to Disneyland.
1: Yeah 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 was that you no <laughs> um, no but you, you know they i was bad i took them to bed <laughs> well that's not bad that's not bad or i them do their too. laundry but i mean sometimes it wasn't always that it wasn't just that no, is what i'm it saying It was. Ju- i mean of course at the age of 14 i wasn't doing yeah. that
2: it was just being near them being a close, the essence, watching their mannerisms, hearing their stories. It was just exciting. They were real. Yeah, that, that's how I felt, too. Exactly. But that's w- how I felt going to see the Beatles and the Stones. I mean, I couldn't fathom that these were real people. Yeah. Surely they couldn't be real.
1: <laughs> then there they
0: were. And then
1: there they are. They're just like just like you. I mean. Yeah. And But it took me a long time to get to that point, to where I felt kind of equal with them. You know, when I was real young, it was like, how how could I reach that pinnacle where Dion lives? You know, he was my teen teen idol. So. I,
2: I totally know that. Now, yeah. I remember when I took my job at the Whiskey thinking, I've done it now. I'm in yeah. the house of music.
1: Yeah. Well, let's go there then again. So what was your first, you know, what did you do at first? So Elmer, Elmer said two weeks uh, of answering the phones, but you were there 12 years, right?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because I began hanging out in the uh, at the front of the whiskey, of course. You know, years before, yeah, I wasn't yeah. old enough to get in.
1: Yep, But Same here. just
2: going up there and looking up at that marquee, to me, it was like going to church. Yes. Like, oh, what goes on inside there? <laughs> I gotta know. <laughs> you know, it wasn't going to happen that quite like that. But my grandmother was um, one of the heads of L.A. County Park and Recreation, mm-hmm. and I was in Hollywood a lot. Both sets of grandparents lived up there. My grandfather was um, a silent movie star. Oh, So, you know, back then I had grandparents, both sets in Hollywood. So, of course, my parents didn't understand why I wanted to go visit Granny so much. But I just wanted to get up there and get out on the streets. (laughs) (laughs) Want to go down to that Whiskey-A-Go-Go place. Yeah. I stayed out there long enough. You know, I got asked to answer phones for a couple of weeks. Right. While Elmer looked for a new secretary.
1: Now, that was, Gail Zappa was before you, correct?
2: Gail Zappa was one before me. I came in after a girl
1: named Susan Markham. Oh, I calm. knew her. Yeah, I came sure. in after her. Yeah. Okay, but Gail had your job originally. I mean, wait, yeah, that's just so fantastic because she, she and Elmer were very tight for a while.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that was that was something. I mean, just to be in that office was something. I didn't know if I'd even last. But you know, I went in for two weeks and ended up staying there. What, eleven years? Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's amazing. A long
2: time. I had three kids while I was there.
1: You had three kids I having did. that job. <laughs> you you were his confidant and all of it, right?
2: Everything. Yep. Yeah. I, I fetched his groceries, I cleaned his house,
1: I booked the bands, yep, he, yeah. I was his go-to girl for sure. I mean, what was, I mean, can you kind of explain how... I, and and you went to all the gigs, too, the ones you were interested in, right? I mean, you, you, so you're there all day and all evening a lot of the time, right? Most of the time. Yeah, most of yeah. the <laughs> time.
2: Heck, yeah. I would
1: be in there telling him what to book. I want, to see. Uh-huh. I want, this, I
2: want this band. Get him mm-hmm. in here. Yeah.
1: Who was your proud, what, proudest moment when you booked a certain band? Or some of your proudest moments.
2: Well, you know, we did open the Roxy too. You know? yeah. so we were able to bring in a lot of a lot of acts. you know looking back there are just so many of them. I, I can't even I can't even name just one or two, but
1: Well, the biggest people on earth played there. The
2: biggest people on earth. On yeah. earth. I mean,
1: Zeppelin played there and then they played the forum. And yep. same with the who. Mm-hmm. I saw the who, the Jimi Hendrix experience at Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, those are huge acts to yeah. see in a small club like that. Yeah. So it was so prestigious that the hugest acts would play there before or after their giant forum gigs. It was nothing like that. I mean, there's no other place like that. No. Certainly in L.A. The whiskey, the whiskey has always
2: been, in my opinion, iconic. To be able to work there was amazing. Yeah, crazy. Well, let's
1: hear some, let's hear some whiskey stories how about, is that where you met the Hollies? How did I meet the Hollies?
2: <laughs> You've got a good memory, come on. <laughs> the Hollies, I believe I met Terry Sylvester in the whiskey. Yeah. And I can't quite remember how I went off with him, but that was that was
1: definitely where I met him. Okay, and was that the Hyatt house? Where were they staying? Was So many bands stayed at the Hyatt House.
2: No, I think it was the Sunset Marquee. Okay, yeah, that was the other one. Yeah, the
1: Sunset Marquee. Well, tell us that story. That's a fantastic story. The hitchhike story.
2: The hitchhike story.
1: You want me to read it out of the book? Oh (laughs) God! Yeah, read me a little bit of that. You really want me to? Yes. Okay. (laughs) All right. I have to
2: find it. That was (laughs) his idea.
1: I know. It's such a great story. Well, it goes on and on, but I'll, I'll read a little bit of it. <laughs> they all came into the whiskey, and I stood behind the lead singer, Terry Sylvester. He kept turning around, and every time he did, I made an awful face. He said, are you trying to take the piss out of me? I'd never heard that phrase before and started laughing, and he said, get over here, talk to me. It must have been quite a night, because once again, Dee, Dee remembers exactly what she was wearing. I had on a little rainbow sweater with hello knitted into it and he thought that was really cute. At the end of the night, Terry asked Didi Dee Dee for a ride to the hotel and she sashayed out of the club with her prize while the other girls shot dagger eyes. Now that now you were the envy of, of a lot of your, a lot of the girls there, right? I was,
2: but I think only because I had the the courage.
1: Yeah. Yes, you did. Because I
2: I kinda I learned right away that you need to go for what you want.
1: Yeah. You you went for it. I did. (laughs) And and okay. Okay, I'm gonna skip a little bit, but he said when when you got to the hotel, you said he said, Look what I look what I brought home to the boys (laughs) and I did my famous let's take a bath, boys. Okay. You wanna explain that to us?
2: Well, it was funny because I think um, I, I I discovered that a lot of the groupies had their little thing. Everybody yeah. had their thing that they yeah. would
1: do. I didn't know what my thing was going to be. <laughs> well, pretty funny what you came up with later. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That well, that seemed to be
1: a good way to get the clothes off of them. <laughs> <laughs> and did they all go for it? Absolutely. <laughs> Well, they would have been fools not to, right? It was fun. It was all in good fun. But some of this, I mean, is, is just outrageous. <laughs> they all basked in Didi's largesse except for cutie pie Tony Hicks, who stayed in front of the TV. He was a little tisk tisk about the whole thing while the rest of us had a good time. Afterward, he frowned and said, well, what are you going to do with me? I got down on the floor in front of him and they all gathered round to watch. After hearing about Cynthia Plastercaster's unique way with a dick, Dee Dee had been trying to come up with her own sexy gimmick. Wait till you hear this, guys, her sexy gimmick, okay? She asked Terry to go to the fridge and get some ice cubes. <laughs> I was going to put them in my mouth and give him head with them. I wanted to be called the Ice Princess, but it never took off. <laughs> you can see why,
2: right? Yeah, but you didn't mention what he came back
1: with. Oh, well, tell us.
2: <laughs> all they had in there was a carton of yogurt.
1: <laughs> okay. And what happened? Shall I read? Go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> I poured out the yogurt and gave him head. That was it. He came all over and I licked the yogurt off him. From that minute on, he adored me. <laughs> The band made a date with me every night that week And we created little games This is the one I was talking about One of them was, we'll pull up in front of the whiskey And you'll be wearing just a trench coat, stockings, and heels And pretend you're hitchhiking and don't know us Yep And did you flash the boys? You bet (laughs) (laughs) Not many people can tell a story like that Yep. And you know, it was, there was so much freedom back then. There was so much openness. That, you know, there was a, it was the early in the pre, it was the love time, right? I mean, it was. It was. It really was. And you, and we were women very early on expressing ourselves in this way. Right? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. there was a lot of judgment, you know, that we had to wade through about people thinking, you know, I was called submissive of all things you know for doing exactly what i wanted to do with these people
2: right did you go through any of that i went well you know initially i couldn't even get up to the whiskey my parents had to approve it yeah i was hanging out there but i wasn't able to you know really go to work in the office oh so my dad had to do what he called researching to make sure it was okay.
1: Uh-huh. Well, it was a legitimate business. <laughs> it
2: it was, Well, he ended, up, he, he ended up getting the approval from the uh, sheriff's department.
1: Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
2: They said that was a, a totally uh, safe, wonderful place. They were monitoring it regularly.
1: <laughs> well, you know, they really knew how to handle that business. Mario and Elmer together. What a duo! They, they did absolutely. And and they seemed to work real well together. I mean, uh, Elmer was m- much more a recluse uh, partner. I mean, I didn't see him much out and about there.
2: Yeah, Elmer was more in the back. Uh, yeah, the yeah. He liked the back seat, if uh-huh. you will. He put uh, Mario into the front seat.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he was real gregarious, right? And right. And very Italian. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and he he was a great front front door person. He really was. Yeah, he really. And was. he would he would have to okay people. For, you know, I'd walk in with some fellow, and he'd look him up and down and give me a look like this one's not good enough for you. You know, he would even say that sometimes. He said that that one's not for you. When I came in with Keith Moon, he he looked us up together. He went, he nodded approval. Of, <laughs> little did he know. Okay. <laughs> I was there you were there watching you yeah 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 now that is cool that is really cool i probably walked into my underwear
2: you were wearing i know exactly what you were wearing he stumbled in yeah you were wearing a majorette outfit with sequins all over it oh how great is that how great is that
1: I, I used to also wear '40s bathing suits out.
2: Oh, well, I remember that.
1: Wow, majorette, majorette you know, outfit. I, I actually um, wore that also. I was a real Don Steeler. Do you remember the Real Don oh, Steeler show? Yeah. Uh
0: huh.
1: It was a local TV show, and I was one of the dancers on that show. And I fawned had to we had to fawn over the real Don Steal, and I, that was one of the outfits I wore on that TV show. Uh, <laughs> Oh boy, It
2: was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing times. <laughs> it
1: really was, and it's so fun to share it with people because it's almost incomprehensible now. It is, and you know, like I said earlier, women were not supposed to be doing the things we were doing, but and, and we just and you very, very ahead of the curve, just going after what you wanted in in the, in the rock world, and no one understood it. They just saw us as loose women like sluts or something it was so not that and if it was so what you know I mean how dare you judge us (laughs) we were judged and we were doing just what we wanted to do and that is feminism to me I agree yeah of
2: course you do I agree
1: (laughs) okay now I'm very curious about this one um I was seeing Jimmy Page and Michelle Overman was seeing Robert Plant and we were hanging out with Zeppelin and you were seeing Peter Grant. I find that absolutely fascinating. He weighed about three hundred and fifty pounds. Right? I would think, yes. Yeah. And totally devoted to a the band a band like I have never seen. And and took care of them like like they were precious gods, which they are still perceived that way. But I loved him as a person. I mean, he was always there for me, you know. I I was always on his ample lap. But you went further than that with Peter Grant, and I want to hear about that.
2: Peter was such a sweet, compassionate, genuine man.
1: Yeah, he was. I
2: think a lot of people were afraid of him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He had this bigger-than-life... Persona underneath was this really sweet man. He was, and I remember when I met him, and 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 he realized that I was interested.
1: He, he was, was thrilled. I bet he was thrilled. He wasn't used to getting a whole lot of action. I don't think
2: he treated me so sweetly and and tenderly, mm-hmm. like like a little doll maybe. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty fantastic.
1: Oh, well, I sure loved him. I took the, him and his the band to nudies to, that's remember when they started looking countrified Yes, I had I took them to nudies to get all suited out and he was so excited because they had tiny sized cowboy clothes and he got them for his kids oh yeah and so did Bonzo Bonzo got some for his kids too Bonzo was a big teddy bear also unless he got drunk
2: I was up in the Led Zeppelin camp quite a bit because of Peter. Yeah. Um, I was watching everything. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I was pretty protected by Peter as well. Yeah. So.
1: I was protected by Jimmy, too. Now, a lot of people think that the whole Led Zeppelin were up and, you know, putting fish in people and stuff. It was not the case. It It wasn't. No, no. John Paul Jones was very graceful and elegant and would never consider such a thing, right? (laughs) <laughs> but the whole neither did the rest of the band except bonham bonham would right. get hooked up with the roadies and real drunk and the roadies and bonham did all that crazy there stuff there you go Uh huh. so yeah. it was not robert jimmy or john paul jones that got up to that mud shark stuff you guys
2: <laughs> no i was i i dated one of the roadies I know exactly Which one? what they got into. I'm trying, to th- I'm trying to think. He was one of my favorites,
1: too, and I can't quite think Clive? of his name right now. Clive was Jimmy's roadie.
2: No, he was a beautiful guy, a big, tall Oh,
1: those man. roadies were beautiful. Oh, weren't they? Uh, yeah. <laughs> they really were. So you didn't, so roadies to you were, were a good bet, huh? Tell us why. I liked them,
2: and I met a lot of them because they would come, uh, it, you know, into the whiskey. You would meet the roadies first off.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's a good way to be able to go to the shows and
2: absolutely yeah yeah, yeah totally
1: <laughs> are you still friendly with richard cole
2: through the social media yeah, avenues, Facebook, yeah absolutely
1: yeah richard cole turned out to be such a different person than he was back then that's right. one of the biggest transformations i've ever seen in my maybe the biggest in my life transformation. richard
2: cole was seeing my roommate
1: so Charlotte. I saw quite no. a bit yeah. of Richard. Oh, I remember. Sure. That was a big love affair.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. It was. And so I was in the camp due to that. <laughs> yeah. You <know>. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I, you look around and think, okay, what am I going to do now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he was a, the rough and tumble roadie. And, and then he went on to be, you know, the, the sober companion to people like Robert Downey oh my did you know that no I did not yes he went on to be sober companion to movie stars for a while before he went back to England that's fantastic I know it was an incredible transformation wow because <laughs> <laughs> he was the most notorious roadie of, of all
2: yes yeah yeah yes
1: I saw him do some things ay yay! ay. okay uh, uh, what else do you want to tell us you were ha- who, who did you spend a lot of quality time with? I, I know you went out with Ian Pace for a while, right? Ian Pace from Pace from Deep Purple. I yeah. spent a lot of time with Deep Purple. Uh huh. Yeah. And what era was that? Mid seventies, huh? That
2: was yeah. Smoke maybe Smoke on the Water time. <laughs> wow. Yeah,
1: a while. Everyone knows that song. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was funny. Well the girls and I we'd be up I'd be up in the whiskey office, we'd get all the promo packs, so we kinda of pick our you know, this is this one's mine, this one's gonna be I mine. I just love
1: that. Because <laughs> we did too. In the GTOs we'd really tried to make sure that we didn't have crushes on the same member of, of any band. Right. Because, you know, we were there for each other as well, right? I mean yes. girlfriends were really true to each other back then. Until later on the younger groupie girls came in and it got it shifted around a little bit. that's for sure but you know the girls all loved each other then too was it the same with the the waitresses at the whiskey yeah
2: everybody did love everybody Mm -hmm. you know and i'm still in contact with quite a few of the girls that were there good everybody um everybody kind of knew where they where they would be and land and who they were after and we Uh were respectful and
1: yeah you know but i
2: i I mean i would kind of go with go out with Go for whatever I wanted. Uh huh. <laughs> I didn't let things hold me
1: back. Well, you were sure in the no, right. That's place. No, that's <laughs> no I mean, talk about being in a cat in the candy store. Right. <laughs> uh- <laughs> I mean, you had your pick. It was. I was jealous of you girls back then because you you were there. For hours every night, and you could meet them at sound checks, and all of that stuff was going on right. right?
2: Well, that was the whole thing. You'd get in, you'd, you know, the, we knew the band was coming, we'd uh, we'd ahead of time meet them during the day, getting things set up, yeah, and then show up in our finery for the show, yeah,
1: perfect, man. A lot of parading around, hoping <laughs> that sounds like a good series to me, doesn't it? Yeah, the, the, the whiskey waitresses in the 70s what a great show that would make wow
2: and there's quite a few of them you know now that we have social media facebook and whatnot it's
1: yeah it must be fun being in touch with them all yeah
2: well it's interesting to see how their memories are differ from mine and
1: yeah i know but then
2: again i did work in the office i was protected i yeah
1: yeah yeah oh yeah. yeah there was some hardcore things that went on i i remember a story of I don't. Think, was it you? Was it? I don't think it was you. Another girl told me the story of of Milton Burl, at the whiskey. I think this was before you worked there.
2: Milton Burl, um, yeah. Mil- A lot of
1: old time Hollywood people continued to frequent that place.
2: Well, and Milton Burl's nephew Marshall ended up being the manager of the, the '80s band Rat. <laughs> That is classic. Marshall Burrell and Marshall Burl came to work in my office at the whiskey.
1: Whoa. I wonder if he met through his uncle.
2: Elmer Valentine <laughs> hired him to work in our office. That was that was quite Well, a- I'll tell
1: you the story I heard one of the waitresses there. He would he he was notorious for having the biggest penis in Hollywood. And he would pull it out of his trousers in the whiskey and let it hang loose hang loose and would take the waitress's hands and put it on there and one of the waitresses told me that story wait who is this and she said milton Burrow. oh my yeah (laughs) probably a lot of people listening don't know who milton (laughs) Burrow is but he was a very early 50s early 60s tv he had his own tv shows comedian he often dressed in drag yes he had the biggest penis in hollywood Apparently. And he pulled it out. Do you know how unbelievably out of, out of, re- I mean, no one could do that. No one could. Absolutely not.
2: But his nephew wasn't far off from that. So really? <laughs> oh, God, really? he didn't quite do that. He didn't quite go that far, but.
1: <laughs> and, and what was his gig there?
2: He came in as a, a counter or co-booker with Elmer for a while, with okay. Elmer Valentine for oh, a while. Huh. So I worked with him up there. I guess there. they met
1: through Milton. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to remember how they how he did come about. I was there. I was at the whiskey for so long, uh, and and it was kind of towards the in the '80s that he came in, just for a, a short while. He he. I think really he was just kind of looking for a management, lo- looking to weed through the bands to manage them, right. and he took Rat. He took him a, a long ways.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. They, and and you were dating one of them, right?
2: Well, I guess you could call it dating. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's what I say sometimes. Well, I was seeing, seeing? all of them. <laughs> oh, you were. Well, let's hear at that one, story. At one time, <laughs> until I got caught. <laughs> well,
1: do you want to tell that story? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Well. Okay. Was there one? Was it, wasn't Stephen Piercy your main squeeze in that bed? I adored Stephen
2: Piercy. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just, I just had a had a, a cutout for him, if you will. He was. He was what, everything that made my heart tick. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, you know, then I'm there, and I've got this wonderful job, and, and I'm this princess, so to speak, and they, you know, they were all coming one after another, and I, th- I thought, well, why not? So, so
1: I did. Wow. <laughs> and why not? There was no reason why not back then, you know. It was, it was a time that's... I don't think it's ever going to come again, Maybe, you know, I mean...
2: I, I don't either, no. but you know, for, for me and the band Rat, I helped them get their record deal. I, I had the uh, uh, capacity to invite in record people would listen to me. I didn't call every day and say, this is a great band, you need to come listen to this band, but I did for them. Yes, I was right. They got a deal, they did many albums, yes, but, and it was quite fun for me.
1: Well, so, so you assisted them in various ways. That's another thing. People, when they hear the word "groupie," they don't realize what's going on behind the scenes. You know, you know, they imagine things, which is fine. I'm still called names to this day. Um, I
2: re- I recall the word "groupie" coming about when I was about fourteen, fifteen. My father used it frequently because I was following around the bands, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Uh, my mom even drove me up to hang out at St. Pierre Road when the Beatles were staying there.
1: Same here. I went up there.
2: I was up there, my wow. mom sitting in the car with my newborn brother <laughs> while I'm trenching around in the in the oh, garden. <laughs>
1: exactly. And I got to... Uh get to he- go into their backyard because Ronnie Lewis, Jerry Lewis's son, escorted us through there.
2: Oh, there you go. I mean,
1: we were what a bunch of characters we were, huh?
2: Well, yeah, doing Well, so my da- my my dad indulged me in all of it. He drove me to the Rolling Stones concerts and yeah. waited in his car you know, he would put on a little chauffeur's cap and drive his oh, Cadillac God, so that I that. was going in style. So but that was the that was the, the groupie. He'd say, you're a groupie. And that, yeah. you know, it it seemed after uh, a bit of time, it rolled into something a little not so cute.
1: That's for sure. Well, at first, it was just a, a name. It was groups. It came from the word group. Well, you followed a group. Yeah, the first Absolutely. time I saw it or even heard the word was in a British magazine. And then the first time I heard someone say it about me, I was hanging I was standing with Led Zeppelin. So you must have heard it even before I did that word. But, but it, it, it didn't even, it, it didn't mean anything negative.
2: So not at all, no. It was cute. It, it was fun, it was cute, it was an accurate description. Now, as, as we're hanging around, you know, as a young girl, are we not uh, fantasizing of becoming that
1: girlfriend? yeah sure back then for sure absolutely there were no girl rock bands there was not even you know there were like certain singers and front you know motown girls and stuff but there were no rock girls right so <clears throat> that was the closest we could get to the rock
2: well suzy quattro came about and i wanted to be suzy quattro <laughs> i yeah. wanted to be that tough ballsy chick
1: <laughs> yeah she you know she, she's my friend on facebook now she's I, love quite a I love her character i friend her she's really open She's a doll. She just turned seventy. Yeah,
2: as I will, as I am this year. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm a year older. Than I me. like being sixty-nine though. The naughty number. Yes, I like that number too. It's my I favorite number.
1: <laughs> I wish I could go back to sixty-nine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, the word groupie. I mean, I you know it 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 did evolve. It changed. You know, I'm I'm not. I'm so proud
1: of it. Totally, and I am too. So it it, it very much upsets me when people. Lump it in with slut or whore, you know, which happens quite often. Often, it was submissive. I mean, of all things, that is not what we were, right? We, no, no. We did just what we wanted to do.
2: And it was quite fun. <laughs> Against all odds, and it was a lot of fun.
1: And easier to do than you could walk into the Whiskey and Go Go any night of the week and bump into ten rock stars. Absolutely, They hung out there. It was so fun. It was so safe for them then. I mean, it changed, of course. I think, didn't things change a bit when John Lennon got killed? There was more protection around people. There
2: was, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, in the early days, I would hang around uh, out front. When I was able to get in, I was there every night. I was always afraid I'd miss out on something. I was there every single night, almost like wallpaper. Me too, I was there
1: every night. It was my home away from home. It was wonderful. Yeah.
2: When I uh, I got the opportunity to come into the office and begin working there, and I I ended up being a full-time employee, it was really pretty funny, because full-time was, it was 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., Then I was I was always late to work. (laughs) Elmer loved me so much he adjusted the hours. Ultimately, I ended up working twelve to five. Had children, got married. Yeah. The whole time while I was there, I was I was really his right hand man.
1: You were married a couple of times, yes. Yes. Uh And you had a couple kids with the first guy, and two or four with. I had my
2: daughter long before that. Oh, okay. Uh, My daughter Amy, that I named after.
1: Oh, uh, Eddie okay. Brigatti's girlfriend. Uh,
2: and she's girlfriend. 52.
1: You have a 52, 52. daughter. Wow. Yeah,
2: she's 52. Incredible. She's an amazing woman.
1: And how old is your youngest?
2: My youngest is uh, 33. Okay. I have a large gap in there. So um, so when I ended up going off and getting married, I continued working, and I had three sons, so I had my four children. Little Amy was there up in the office, going along with me, riding on the console of my little uh, Mustang, going from you know hotel to band. To everybody loved her. Oh, and we had a lot of fun.
1: Uh, and then you married Ron Keel. That's how you got your name.
2: That's how I got my name. Ron Keel came through with uh, his rock band called Steeler. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he was quite charming, and and seem to want to have a family and settle down and
1: a, a so rarity is that, that
2: world 20-year relationship <laughs> uh-huh. yeah some children there a couple children there
1: and you kept his name it's a good name it i did D. indeed D. Good D. D. Name. yeah i kept my ex-husband's name too it's a good one yeah i like it <laughs> it works <laughs> one of my favorite stories in the book is uh your experience with david cassidy so i want to hear that story from beginning to end
2: David, I adored.
1: Well, he was such a beauty. Oh,
2: yeah. he, he did. He's the one that made my heart sing. Oh. And I didn't ever imagine initially that I would ever meet him. You know, we devoured the Partridge family week to week and all through the years. And, and, and my, uh, it was the bookkeeper at the whiskey that wanted to make that lifelong dream of mine happen. Oh. And she was she, her boyfriend was a set maker at one of the studios and knew Kay Lens. Uh-huh. And kind of on the show. tricked sister. Yeah, kind of tricked them into having uh, her infiltrate their little party at one point. I think it was maybe a baby shower or something like that. Befriended her and got the address. David's and su- address? David's address. <laughs> oh, boy. And surprised me. It was a birthday gift. Going to his home. Wow.
1: <laughs> and, and how long had you crushed on him at that point? It had to be 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and he was already... Obviously, the show was no longer on at that point. Correct, and he was singing. He and had his records, right? And
2: and he at that time then really wasn't even with her. It, it, it was a it was kind of a kind of a sad time, really. He was in Antrim. He had moved into a a new house in the valley, and um, she. I didn't know where we were going.
1: It's was oh, my birthday present. Oh my gosh
2: We're going to this house. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> And we parked and, and, and I walked up and and she says, knock on the door. And the door cracked open and there was this face.
1: That is an amazing story. I thought I was uh, going to faint. It, I can't even imagine what that must have been like. And he was prepared for you? Or was he prepared to see you? He
2: expected us, yes. He did. Yes, he, he, he literally said, I hear I'm your birthday present. <laughs>
1: That's Okay, that is the best birthday present I've ever heard
2: of. It was the best birthday present I've ever gotten. <laughs>
1: and, and what happened from there?
2: Well, he was sitting in the family room watching TV in the dark with boxes all around him. It was quite sad. It was very dark and depressing.
1: Really? Hmm. He
2: wasn't going through a good time. Right. Things weren't... Um, Peaceful and happy, even in his marriage, and yeah. you know. So that was it was. I think he just really wanted someone to listen oh, to those woes yeah. and yeah, and comfort him and
1: <laughs> in various. I ways. volunteered. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I I met him in, in later on, probably in the late 80s, early 90s. And he was in a good place at that time. He had a different wife, and, and he had uh, just written his book. Did you read his book? Sure
2: I, did. I did, eventually, yeah. yes, uh-huh. yes.
1: He talked about his big member in that book. <laughs> was he correct about that?
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs>
2: Yay, David, God bless him.
1: He's no longer with us. I, I liked him so much as a person. He was so funny right he was
2: so sweet i mean maybe almost to the to a fault yeah that he was really a good person he was very lonely
1: yeah i don't think he ever
2: really got the the understanding and the love and the care that he really desired and i think uh, as far as his career went he was yeah
1: he did not he wanted
2: something totally different yes he
1: did yeah and he had a very rough relationship with his dad oh my on, yeah, which really colored his whole life, I think, but he was a very decent man I really liked him. I interviewed him for something or other and we hit it off and he started coming to some of my parties And he was really sweet. I really liked
2: him. I did as well. I really did. I really had a lot of respect for him It was a sad sad that he's gone.
1: I know Too young. He but was I had fun with him. Vegas <laughs> and last I heard he he was in very bad shape on stage, right? Didn't he have dementia or something like that?
2: Yeah. Um, he, he... I think he did, and yeah. I I did I did go to a performance. Oh, you did. Towards the end, um, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, I know. Was... I choose to not remember oh. that.
1: Well, I'm glad you have a, a better memory with him. I
2: <laughs> actually went with one of your good friends. Oh. Kip. Oh, you did. You and Kip went to we see. We went David to Cassidy. see David Cassidy.
1: You know, Kip has a crush on you. Why in the world you don't take him up Kip. on it? Well, <laughs> it, you know, he is so shy, my friend Kip. He won't even come on. I've tried to invite him to be a podcast guest because we have such a fun time on my our rock tours. We have our James Dean connection, and he's got two great bands he was in, and he's too shy. I I booked his band, Shock. You did? Yeah.
2: See, he should be over here with me. I know. Well, yeah.
1: I will remind him that you're going to Well, quite I had a, a lot of hot fun with tamale. him. He's 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 he was And he's such a good he, guy. Oh he's such God. a good guy and I, he's so
2: much fun. I know and he's yeah. so
1: much fun. We'll get him on the show. We'll get him
2: on. Yeah, we went together to that show.
1: Wow, was he kind of sad too about it? Was it a...
2: I think so. Yeah. yeah, it was hard to
1: not be. Yeah. You know, you He's such a pop music fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. He really yes really gets it.
2: I still had such great time and such great memories. I have really good memories of him. I mean, I wouldn't have changed a minute of it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. And um, we haven't talked about Jeff Beck, which is quite an interesting story.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Good old Jeff.
1: (laughs) Yes. So let's hear that story. People love stories.
2: Well, yeah, I I actually wrote, uh, I've been taking Because I took your writing class, Uh then I have continued doing some writing, and I've written big chunks.
1: I'm so glad to hear that. I've been working
2: with a man named Chris Epton, Uh who's done a few books, and uh, mostly he's a Huntington Beach historian, music historian. So I do go and write my stories. When I was in class with him, once a week we'd read them, and he loved my stuff. Good. So I called that one "How to Catch a Rock Star."
1: (laughs) That's a great
2: title. The the, and then it had a subtitle: "The Fine Art of Trickery."
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you weren't—you were just being yourself, right? Well, I went
2: back to my old young rascals' go-to. I called the hotel, and when I found out that uh, that Jeff was in town, and I left a message not for Jeff but for his uh, drummer, Cozy Powell.
1: Okay. Oh, that same trick you used with, I with the rascals, So I guess that be, yeah, is a trick.
2: I'm going yeah. to call Cozy, and he called back.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and at the time, uh, Stevie Wonder was performing at the Whiskey.
1: Yeah, I mean, please. How about the people who performed at the Whiskey? Still, it still never ceases to amaze me.
2: So who doesn't want to go see Stevie Wonder at the Whiskey? So I invited him. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but I let on that we'd met each other previously. Uh-huh. And, and of course we hadn't. You
1: made that up. I That's that right. Up. I guess that is a little bit of trickery. So because how would they remember really Right the, <laughs> and the, and the condition some of those people were in? Oh my.
2: So I made sure he was on the guest list and I said, you know, he's, he, I said, you're on the list. Go ahead. You know, he says, well, you know, my memory's not all quite. It used to be you. And he says to me, you'll have to come up and suck me in the jaw or something yeah so i waited in 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 my in my best purple cape
1: (laughs) she always remembers what she had on i love that
2: he walked through the doors and he's looking around and so i literally walked up and took my fist and went boom (laughs) cute but i thought it to myself really where i'm aiming is for jeff though i was really taken by cozy i made sure that he had a really good night (laughs) good so that and then i drove him back to the hotel Uh it wasn't too many days after that that jeff beck came into
1: the whiskey looking for me oh ooh! so cozy had told him what an amazing time he'd had with you he did indeed How about that? Share and share alike, man. That's what, I, that's what was going on back then, and it was fun, people. It was so
2: fun. And he slid into the booth next to me and whispered in my ear, Are you the one? <laughs> and I said, Why, whatever do you mean?
1: <laughs> oh, it worked, man. It did
2: work. I said, Yes, indeed I am.
1: <laughs> oh, cool.
2: And that was pretty fun because everyone in the club was wondering... How did she do that?
1: <laughs> Fantastic, man. You knew how to make it happen.
2: And uh, he asked, made it happen. He, he asked, you know, is there somewhere we can go? And I thought, heck
1: yeah, we'll go
2: to my place.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so
1: I did, drove him to my place. And how was he? I mean, obviously we're not going to get into details, but I've heard good, good things about his prowess.
2: Everything about him is
1: fantastic. Yeah.
2: What a sweet, loving, intelligent man.
1: Yeah. And he's still just playing away. Isn't it so cool? He
2: just wanted to have fun. Yeah. And to walk out of the whiskey with him and have everybody watch was (laughs) such a coup. And I was so (laughs) proud of myself. Um, And then I knew I had the hook in line because I had a 69 Purple Cougar automobile and I knew he loved
1: cars so I made sure
2: I drove that car oh my father had a fleet of wonderful muscle cars and I chose that one
1: your father had a fleet of muscle cars My father was a car
2: dealer at one point and I had access to a lot of wonderful vehicles and I chose that one and um, of course he wanted to drive it how great man and he did and I took him home
1: good for you honey
2: and we had just a great time, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of talking, and um, I was surprised at how well we connected, quite frankly. Uh,
1: <laughs> good. Was that when the Jeff Beck group or a little later?
2: Well, Cozy was drumming.
1: Oh, so that was a little later. Was a that, little that was later. A, that was when he was just playing as himself. As himself. I yeah. believe
2: the show that I went to, uh, the performance that I went to around that time, was at the San Bernardino Swing Auditorium.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: So we, we'd gone to that show uh, afterwards, which, you know, I was very excited to be in front of him while he performed. Y- yes.
1: Oh, that's always the best, to be yeah. on stage with someone watching them perform, knowing you're going to just be with them later. I he, mean, he, there's nothing like that kind of, of rock and roll magic.
2: Absolutely. He was really a kind of a dream come true. Uh, that I actually pulled that off was shocking
1: to myself. Well, um, he, and and that, there was a lot of work put behind that. I mean, there was a lot of thought processes and, and you know. Absolutely. I, mean, yeah, I that's,
2: thought if Cozy went home and said what a great time yeah. he'd had, <laughs> and it totally worked.
1: Yay! <laughs> one of my favorite bands was the Jeff Beck Group um, With Rod Stewart singing And he was brand new on the scene And what a character He already had a huge huge yeah. ego Before he, anyone knew who he was But that, that, that band was so great His album Truth is one of my very favorite records And I I guess I can talk about this now Because I, I couldn't write about it Uh, Because I wasn't in the room when it happened. But several of the GTOs uh, at Frank Zappa's cabin saw Jeff Beck give himself head. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Did you notice that he was quadruple-jointed like that?
2: I did not.
1: (laughs) Um, I missed that one, darn it. I don't know if we can keep this in, but... uh, (laughs) He, I saw him years later and, and the girls came running out and saying oh my god you can't believe what just happened and I was very upset that I missed it Darn. and I actually tried to put it and I'm with the band and the attorneys you know reading the book said if you didn't witness it you can't write about it I could have had I been in that room but I saw Jeff many years later at Helena's and he thanked me for not putting that in my book. And little did he know, I tried. <laughs> oh, there you go. Wow. Because what a wonderful thing to be able to do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what a talent. I mean, I, mean, I know more what what talent than we even knew. I mean, yeah, more talent than anybody knew. But the GTO saw it. Three of them.
2: I have such fond memories of him. Just, I mean, he was just
1: fun. Me too. You know, he played on our record. And he was—he played on Mercy's song and a couple songs on on the GTO's record. And he was just a doll. His whole band was. So we sure have some great memories. Great don't we? memories,
2: yeah. I have no absolutely done beyond anything I ever imagined I'd do in life. Yeah, so much fun. I look back and I have. Great memories, no regrets.
1: No regrets, same no, here. Not at all. I only have a couple of regrets for things I didn't do that I could go. have done.
2: That's that's the whole ticket. Yes. You're only going to regret the things yeah. you don't do. No, that's yeah. no
1: glory. Yes, <laughs> I, I things I could have done a couple of amazing things I could have done that I, you know, have a date with Elvis and things like that. But I, you know, I don't regret anything I actually did.
2: <laughs> I had tickets to see Elvis through Elmer Valentine and didn't go. There's a prime example. Yeah.
1: So Elvis, we both have an Elvis story. That was Elvis in the story. 70s. Yep. I had someone call me up and say, Elvis needs a date tonight to come up to his house and watch TV. It was Larry Geller who did his hair and was his spiritual advisor. And I had just gotten engaged to Michael. And I said, no, I better not. <laughs> oh. And later I told Michael and he said, what were you thinking? Of course you should have gone out there. But anyway... Only regrets for things I didn't do. Well,
2: see, that's the way it goes, for real. Yep. So, so
1: tell me about now. How is Dee Dee Keel now? I am wonderful. Yeah? I am. Seems um, like it. I'm, well, I'm still
2: working for the public school district.
1: And you've been a teacher.
2: I'm the detention supervisor. Detention
1: supervisor. At a middle school. That is so fantastic that Dee Dee Keel is a detention supervisor.
2: Well, you know, well I have to say, it's really funny how that even came about. I I wanted, my family thought it was time I got a real job. Um, they wanted me to apply at the city, the county, and in the local school district. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I did. I went and put applications in to all of them, and I got called back. I got yes. I, I got offered the job in animal control at the County of Orange, and uh-huh. I got offered the job as the ALC attendant at the school district. I wanted to work with children, so I took that job, not knowing exactly what it was. Uh-huh. come to find out it's the detention supervisor. <laughs> wow. But come to find out I'm really good at it. Uh-huh? Wow. I, I think uh, because I could relate to being a rebellious teen, yeah, that yeah. I connected with these kids that were having these similar issues. Uh-huh. Good. And I learned right away to give them choices. Hmm. And that, that afforded me an awful lot of power with them to relate. I have since become very well known as being Miss Deedee Dee, the rock and roll girl.
1: Well, I'm sure with the internet now, they can look all kinds of things Which up. Which I about was afraid you. of. Yeah, so
2: I bet. <laughs> but most recently, I did have I've gone through quite a few, being there 11 years, I've gone through quite a few administrators at the school site that I work at, and my most recent assistant principal came to me and said, I've Googled you and I thought, oh darn! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And 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 she said, I really
1: get it. It's amazing. Good. What an amazing life you've had. And I thought, shoo. <laughs> That's so good that people are starting to appreciate this incredible life that that women lived back then. I don't think I could do the
2: job as well as I do it. I'm still there.
0: Uh huh. Still there. Had I not there.
2: gone through some of the many trials and and triumphs that I have mm-hmm. in my lifetime
1: trials and triumphs so Love not
2: it. not long ago I did I was on the Family Feud TV show okay and Steve Harvey had asked about what do you do for a living and I had mentioned the I worked at the whiskey a go-go but then I real quick said it ties in with what I do now I'm the detention supervisor in middle school so so I was able to to say to Steve Harvey so you see I know how to handle naughty boys <laughs> I had started that by telling the story of spending my 21st birthday with Led Zeppelin.
1: Ah, on on the family feud? I said that
2: on the family feud. Ah,
1: that is so cool. So it
2: piqued a lot of interest. But when you figure if you spend your 21st birthday with Led Zeppelin, and now you're working as a detention supervisor in middle school, I think I qualify to handle naughty boys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it was perfect. So, are there any acts um, that you saw f- first, and then they at the whiskey, and then they just became household names? Oh, so many! I think my
2: my most favorite story, if you can remember. It, it, of course i followed you around look at you i love you and i followed you around for so long that i'm thrilled to be here oh thank you honey. do you remember a band called sparks in the? oh 70s? my god my
1: favorite they're still my top five favorite band so we booked them at the whiskey as half nelson yes that was their first band and nobody came nobody came i didn't see them till they were sparks Sparks. the very first time they became sparks i guess it was 1970 i saw them so they went to to the uk and they came back and they changed their name
2: to sparks yeah and so i got this great idea to say direct from england
1: (laughs) sparks oh and people showed up they did indeed (laughs) That is so it is good. That's
2: a great triumph.
1: Their, their newest album is so good, man. They're still one of my it's, favorite bands. It's
2: fantastic. I learned so much working with Elmer Valentine, and I I had a good uh, a good handle on things that were happening that where he didn't the the, the street level, yeah, you know that kind of thing. Um, and I was privy to a lot of um, secrets that were going on in in Hollywood and. Uh, Elmer had uh, movie stars coming up we'd have we'd Sonny Bono Cher they were coming up to have lunch with Elmer so uh,
1: he knew everybody and then we his opened, story and we
2: opened the Roxy so we had you know double things going I was answering yeah. phones for both at one you know oh. at that time
1: well we should have you on again
2: A crazy crazy you know? stuff yeah uh, but one of the one of the, my most favorite stories that I can, if you want to hear now we can I can okay. bring it bring it full circle <laughs> okay the uh, my love affair with Ian Pace of Deep Purple. Right. The girls kind of set me up with him. We went into the Hyatt House bar, and, and they wanted to be around Deep Purple. And my roommate was so in love with John Lord. Which said, well, we're gonna we're gonna set you up with this drummer. And I had no idea, but I went along with it. He was so sweet. What a wonderful man he was. I I would see him all the time. I was this L.A. girl. Ian Pace would come into town, and I would go see him. I was his L.A. girl. Absolutely adored him. Drove down to surprise him one night with, with my roommate Charlotte in my little car, all the way to San Diego to the sports arena where Deep Purple were performing. Walked down the ramp, had no way of getting in, but used our, our groupie glory and talked our way in. He had already taken the stage, and he was behind the drum kit, and he looked down and waved. He was so excited. And then I drove him back to town. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I when I got I got married to the uh, road manager for Iggy and the Stooges, and I, I was working at the whiskey, and I was very pregnant, and I'm in the foyer of the whiskey, and in walks Ian Pace, and I hadn't seen him in about a year. oh <laughs> He just licked one. One look at my stomach, and it looked heartbroken. Because <laughs> he had asked me if I wanted to go to England with him. And, and I didn't want to
1: leave. Huh. I, well, you I, must have I known was, something was coming. <laughs> I was
2: in kind of a glorious spot. I had three men that I was really in love with, but it was time to settle down. I had my little five-year-old daughter, Amy. Yeah, yeah. And, and I picked the... American man. Yeah. <laughs> so he walked in, and, and, he, and he just kind of felt my stomach. And oh. and I just, I felt like heartbroken for myself, heartbroken for him, but I knew I'd, I'd made the, the right choice. So now I find out, this is recently, that Ian Pace is coming to town, and I had read that he'd had, I believe he'd had a heart attack. Uh-huh. And I... I, I really wanted to see him. I wanted to go full circle. As I'm getting older, I'm thinking these...
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
2: happen to be very close friends with a costume designer. I'm going to say costume designer that makes clothing, who was doing costuming for Deep Purple. And he gave me the email address of Deep Purple's road manager, a woman.
1: Uh-huh. And cool. I wrote to
2: her. I say, they're coming to town. I wonder if... I could see Ian. I just needed to have it go around full circle. Totally get it. And she said, I'll have to ask if he'd like to see you. And she wrote back, he does. He's <laughs> excited to see you. Aww. So they were performing in Orange County. It was um, Deep Purple and um, there was a an opening act. Oh, no, it was Deep Purple and co-headlining Judas Priest. Oh, yeah, I remember. The costume designer for Judas Priest was the one who got me on the list. And so it was very official. I had a a purple pass with an IP on it, which I realized meant Ian Pace. (laughs) And they come out with a walkie, and they call my name. He's ready for you. Oh, Oh, wow, things have changed, huh? And I'm paraded into this wonderful backstage area with curtains and cushy and he came walking out and I thought oh my heart be still oh. it's him oh. and he looked just as lovely as he ever had oh. and he sat down and, and held my hand and and I looked him in the eyes and I said but do you actually remember me <laughs> and he said in his wonderful little accent I've only ever had one girlfriend named Dee Dee." <gasps>
1: Oh, that is so sweet. And Dini. that was
2: just such a rap for me. Oh, I
1: love it. Oh. He, he offered
2: some wine. He got us wine and we sat and we talked and we reminisced and I reminded him of our time together and he remembered each bit. And they came to get him to go on stage and he said, "Please ask to see me again." when I come through town. Oh, that is so perfect, isn't it? And we had a photo together. Yeah. His road manager came out and took a photo, and I took my place in the audience, and that was it. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to ask to see him again. It's too too perfect. Because it
1: was too perfect, Oh. (laughs) What if
2: it doesn't end this way?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so that was just, to me, such a tie-up for my whole, time of the 70s with yeah
1: your music life yes. yeah
2: and you don't ever want it to not end that well so yeah he's come to town since and it's all i could do to not ask oh. again but i didn't do it <laughs>
1: picture perfect picture it was, perfect it
2: really was yeah that he considered me his girlfriend yes not just his la girl yeah right yay <laughs> it was wonderful
1: Well, honey, thank you so much for reminiscing with me. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely a pleasure.
2: Delighted. Okay. I love you. Love you, too. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
1: Incredible. What a a incredible forthrightness there from Dee Dee Keel. Her stories, you know, some people might say, wow, isn't that salacious? Yes. And she's proud of her history. And so am I, you know, because she's a groupie. She has a groupie heart. I have a groupie heart. We connected. It was lovely. So thank you, Dee Dee. Loved it so much. And while I have your attention, I want to talk about AdamEve.com because we all need a little heat in our lives, don't we? Especially right now. AdamEve.com has so many sexy, wonderful, trippy, so many trippy ways to enhance your sex life. So please go and check it out. And I've mentioned this before, but I'm going to mention it again. They have a plaster caster kit, similar to my dear friend, Cynthia Plastercaster's infamous casting of rock star genitalia. And you can make your own guy a rock star by casting his genitalia. Go to adameve.com and grab that kit. Okay, dolls. I love you all. Remember to go check me out at my website, PamelaDeAbar.com, and see what I'm up to. I do classes. I do rock tours. I'm fun. Let's face it. So I love you. Bye. We're the p-
0: been listening to Pamela DeBar's Pajama Party produced by Aaron Alden and Christian Swain. All sound design by Jerry Danielson and Busy Signal Studios. Find Miss Pamela at Pamela DeBar on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Find all the Pantheon Podcasts at pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you find great podcasts find us on facebook at facebook.com backslash pantheon podcasts rock and roll archaeology on instagram and pantheon pods on twitter